If you will, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 5. I believe God has a word for this house. I'm excited to be back in the building with God's people. The second Sunday of 2021. Let me hear you say, yeah. Amen. Listen, if, if, you'll, uh, if you'll shout me down, I'll preach a little shorter. Amen. I might preach a little better too, who knows. But uh, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 5, and we're going to continue in our series, A Fresh Start. Last Sunday I spoke to you out of the book of Luke chapter 5, and uh, went through 1 through 11, mainly dealt with the first five, six, uh, seven verses. Today I'm going to take you from 7 back to verse 11, and I want to kind of dab a little deeper. Uh, I, I... if, if there's one thing I love and one character I love in the Bible, it's Peter. I think many of us can relate to Peter. <clears throat> Peter uh, many times had an opinion and he felt like he needed to share it all the time. And that usually got him in trouble, so many of us can relate to that. And then it's, uh, it was Peter who also liked to take things, matters in his hands. And uh, uh, he wouldn't uh, short and grabbing a sword and whacking somebody's ear off if you made him mad. He has a temper. He had some anger issues. So we can all relate to that probably. Um, but I, uh, I love Peter because he wasn't perfected. He didn't have it all figured out. How many likes real people? Yeah, I just like to have real people. And if there's one thing I pray that you, you get from this pastor, it's uh, I'm not trying to put no fake or phony, be somebody in the pulpit that I'm not in uh, outside these four walls. I believe in living the life. And uh, just being real. And uh, sometimes that's, that can be a good thing for, for some people. Sometimes that can be a bad thing. But, I mean, those truths sets us free in all things. And so I, I'm excited about this, uh, this message this morning. I believe it's going to catapult us in, in the days and weeks to come. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 7. And uh, it's what it reads. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish. Everybody say fish. He was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, everybody say partners. James and John and the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. Simon is Peter. Simon's name will be changed later in the story. He said, don't you be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for, everybody say, people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Uh, Verse 6 of the same chapter, uh, you know the story. If if Most of you are familiar with it. Peter has just thrown the nets in the water. And Scripture actually says that the nets were breaking as he was pulling the nets into the boat. And uh, I I, I actually could have read that to you as well. So the nets were breaking, and verse 7 made it real clear that the boats were sinking. 
And so it's important that you, re you realize that there are opportunities for God's presence to shift you, transition you, and, and change you in all things. Amen? So today, I want to speak to you from a subject simply, help. I can't do this by myself. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you, Lord, for the, for the presence. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to be used for your glory and for your honor. I ask God that you shift us, that you change us, you transform us, change our mindset. Let us not be stuck. Let us not get in a position where we feel like we're all alone and we have to fight this battle by ourselves. Let us be reminded today that if you are for us, no weapon that's been formed can stop us. We love you in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. All right. There's nothing worse than thinking that you're, what you're doing or that you're doing a good job or you sound good or you, you, you did that great. There's nothing worse than thinking you did a good job. And then you go back and you watch a video or you listen to an audio and then suddenly and or somebody comes up to you and says, man, you just flopped. Nothing worse than, than uh, there's been many times where I go back and I'll watch something I thought was really good and I was like, man. What would have happened if I'd have had just a little bit of help? How many knows help is, uh, is a good thing? It's not a bad thing. And uh, to, to kind of illustrate that, actually, Ethan, come here, buddy. I, I really want to kind of paint a picture because sometimes we live in a society that paints a picture that uh, it's, it's my four and no more. And uh, if, if, if there was a picture I wanted to paint to you, it would be that God never called you to live life on your own. He called you to do life with people. And uh, Jesus knew that we are much more effective together than apart. And so like if I was going to, you know, Ethan, when he was born, he was actually seven pounds, eight ounces. And uh, he had no hair, just like his daddy today. But he, he, he's, he's looking really good now. He's, he's got it covered. But uh, it, it, it would be um, hard for me at, at seven pounds, eight ounces uh, it was easy for me to carry him everywhere he went. Uh, I didn't have a problem holding him. But how many knows if I were to pick Ethan up, this is going to be a little difficult, right? It's going to be difficult for me to carry <laughs> I'm not even going to try because I just had a birthday yes last week, and I, I'm just not feeling it, you know. Uh, the boy's as big as I am now. But there are tools that God gives us what we used to could carry on our own Maybe God meant that tool that he's brought in our life, like a boat, like a net. Maybe that tool was used to ultimately help us put, carry the weight and fulfill the purpose to position us in a destination that we couldn't have went without the help and helps he sends us. So if I put Ethan on this, just turn around, put your heels on. It's a lot easier to carry Ethan where I need to go because of the tool that I'm using. You are really heavy. I'm not as limited carrying him this way because the tool is equipped to carry the weight. Does that make sense? And so it's the same thing in life. We have to prepare ourselves to be okay with having help. Thank you, buddy. Give God praise for him. He did a good job. I think in Peter's life, last week I spoke to you, can God have your boat? 
And I, and I use the boat kind of as the analogy of your life. Can Jesus use your life? Give him your life. Today, I want to flip that analogy and, and let you look at the boat and the nets. Because ultimately, when Jesus sent Peter out to the deep, it was the boat and it was the nets. Watch. That was used as a help to bring in what the word Jesus promised was going to happen. Are you with me? We've been given a promise. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for his people. Listen, I don't care what your circumstance looks like, as long as you know that you belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he has prepared things for you that you can't even fathom. He's, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than your wife. It's bigger than your family. God wants to do great and mighty things inside of you. What scripture says, exceedingly and abundant above all that you could ever ask or think. But you can't be afraid to get some help. Peter had to learn how to have help. As soon as the abundance came in, what did he do? After obeying the word, doing what the word said, the miracle took place. What he was depending on began to break and to sink. And he had to shout, help! <laughs> Come on, everybody just say that with me. Say, help! And I think in essence he was saying, I can't do this on my own. And this morning, I really want to tap into three things that maybe Peter, maybe Peter might have learned after being chosen by Jesus. Number one, write this down. Verse seven says he shouted for help and he brought the partners. Number one, what God is going to do in his kingdom is bigger than just me. What God wants to do in his kingdom, it's bigger than just you. It's going to come in all different shapes and sizes. He's going to position you. He's going to put you in a place where he can expand you and shift you and transition you. Peter soon realized that the harvest of fish, that, that obedience to the word activated, was way more than he could handle on his own. I'm thankful that Peter shouted out for help. Think about all the fish that he would have missed out on had he not had partners come and help him bring it in. We all have dreams. We all have visions in our lives. But we must be humble and wise. Those are two key, key elements. Humble and wise, especially in transitional seasons. See, it's important that you and I realize that we can't do everything on our own. Recognize that your way is not the only way. I know I just shocked a lot of us guys. Sorry, guys, we just, we ain't got it all figured out. Sometimes it's important that we pull over and ask for directions. <laughs> and all the ladies said, amen. Learn to be okay with needing other people. See the benefits of expansion from within first. See, Peter's expansion had to start here. It started on the bank. In his disappointment, like we talked about last week, he was cleaning the nets. He was disappointed. He was a little probably upset. He was tired. 
But that, with that, that, that season of, of, of shifting and transitioning and, and expansion on the inside began to be seen on the outside as he began to walk in obedience to the word. In other words, before God expands you outwardly, he will start expansion on the inside of your heart first. How many knows that your heart has to be prepared for what God has in store for you? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've never found anyone that's going anywhere if what was coming out of their mouth <laughs> reflected what was in their heart and it wasn't speaking positive or life. And so it's important that if, you, if you want to go somewhere, have an inward change so the outward effects can take you places you may never go on your own. Sometimes before, because of fear of the unknown, okay? Because of fear of the unknown, Peter has gone to the, to the deep place. Sometimes because of the fear of the unknown that maybe we have to step out and we've got to walk through the lives of the, the, the seasons of testing, we try to manipulate and control the situation instead of trusting God's process and walking out the test by faith. So I want to encourage you today, don't allow the fear of the unknown to keep you from just simply saying, hey, for God I live, for God I'll die. I trust God so much, I don't have to have the next step. I'm just going to take this step. And I'm not going to take it by, in fear. I'm going to take it by faith. Peter was being positioned. I believe God was uh, uh, training him to have an ear and a heart for the Father. I don't know what his upbringing was like. I don't really know the kind of man that raised him. But I can only believe he must have taught him how to be a hard worker. But if it was like history shows us, there's a, a, a lot of times men back in even the, the 40s and the 30s, I mean, they just didn't show a lot of emotion. They worked hard and they provided, but, they didn't, but, but historically, men didn't always show lots of emotion. So I can only imagine, he probably wasn't pampered and patted on the back and given a silver spoon. Peter had to, had to learn how to love his neighbor as himself. Peter had to learn how to accept people instead of push them away because they weren't like him. I don't think Peter had it all together. I think that's why Jesus chose him because Jesus was going to prove he could take a nobody and make him a somebody if he would be willing and obedient to listen to what the word had to say. So I want you to know what God is doing and is going to do in his kingdom. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. But here's the good news. We get to play a role. We get to be involved. We get to have a part. We need people in our lives to help us carry the weights that are going to come so that we can stay balanced. Quit, quit trying to feel like you have to carry all the weight by yourself. As the pastor of this house, it's not my job to carry your weight and my weight too. It's not your job to carry my weight. As we position ourselves in unity, we can help one another. We can pray for one another. We can position ourselves to be effective for the kingdom, not for ourselves more so for the kingdom. And when the kingdom is lifted up, he said, if you'll lift me up, I will draw, here come the fish, I will draw all men unto me. Notice it doesn't say if you'll build a religion, if you'll build a denomination, if you'll build a building. It doesn't say that. He said, lift me up and I'll take care of bringing in everything that needs to come in for my kingdom. Somebody shout amen. Unity is the key to growth and influence in your life. Somebody shout unity. 
Psalms 133, 1 through 3 says this, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together, watch, in unity. Then it tells us what it's like. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. I like this part. There, somebody shout there, the Lord commanded the blessing. Underline there if you got your Bible. There. What is there? The place of unity. If you don't ever get there, there's no blessing. But there is where the blessing is. All of us want to be blessed. But rarely does everyone want to walk in unity. It's got to be my way or no way. Listen, that's not the way it works in God's kingdom. If you're going to increase, you got to decrease. If, you, if it's going to be given to you, you've got to give. Give and it shall be given. If you're going to be first, you got to be last. If you're going to be the head, look out. You got to be the tail. That's how it works. Humility births unity. Somebody ought to write that down. Humility births unity. I believe what God wants to do in his church and in expanding his kingdom, it's going to have to start with unity. You and I need structure. We need network. We need a team. We need people. We need people in our life that, that we can depend on. It's not about, listen, it's not about the 5,000. Remember the 5,000 that Jesus fed? He set them down. He fed them. No, no. It's not about the 5,000 with the loaves and, and the fish. It's not even about the 70 that was commissioned and sent out by Jesus to witness to the communities. No, I'm talking about the three, Peter, James, and John. I'm talking about the 12, the disciples that sat around the table and actually uh, heard the vision of their leader, and then they were the ones that put it to action. Notice expansion began to take place after one spoke it, the word, come on somebody, three turned into 12, 12 turned into 70, 70 turned into 120 in the upper room, 120 turned in my two, I turned into thousands, and we're still seeing the kingdom to expanding. Why? Because somebody has chosen it might not be everybody, but if I could just get somebody to say it ain't got to be my way, it can be God's way. I don't have to have the, be the head. I don't have to be in control. I don't have to drive this boat as long as I'm on the boat. I'm not looking for people to satisfy me. I'm looking for his presence to change me, transform me, and his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Anybody believe that word? Give him praise right there. Come on. Help. I can't do this. On my own. Peter could not bring in what was for him to its fullest all by himself. And I want you to know there's power in unity. The second thing I think Peter learned after being chosen by Jesus, write this down. Number, verse 7, it says, soon, after he, as he brought in the fish, it says that soon... Not only had the nets been breaking, but the boats began to sink. Okay, get the picture. The fish 
overwhelming him. So number two, I think this is what happened. I think he learned when I'm missing on my own, I can catch with others. What you miss all by yourself, if you'll not be afraid of partnering, not be afraid of, of, of getting help and saying, you know, I don't have this all figured out. You can catch. You can be much more effective. Peter could have been prideful. He could have been arrogant. He could have kept all those fish. This is mine. I ain't let nobody get this. this that's, that's how sometimes we, this, I don't want nobody to take what I, what's mine. Peter could have took that mentality. Don't ever think that what God has positioned you and given you is for you. It's not for you. It's for him. That's the problem with people and money. We love mammon, money, more than we love God. That's why he says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, that's just one thing. But I'm saying, he was talking with Brother Mark the other day, getting to know him. And uh, he, we was talking about how Jesus wants the kingdom to expand. He wants his people to be blessed. And we talk about how the, over 2,000 verses in the Bible, more than any one, of the, one subject that Jesus really taught on was money because he understood how money would impact our hearts and how it could control us. Don't make, don't make me take you to Washington and tell you what money has done to us. It will manipulate and control and it can... Con- Tear things way down quickly. And it'll change a man's heart. Make up in your mind, I'm not going to have a sellout price, Judas. I'm not selling out. Don't care what you offer me. Don't care what, you, what, what kind of paint, picture you paint. If Jesus ain't in the center, I don't want nothing to do with it. Woo! That's good preaching right there. We can go home. Jesus has got to be the center. Jesus at the center of your church. Jesus at the center of your church. From beginning to the end, it's always been, it always will be Jesus. Jesus. And the song says, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Because Jesus, you're the center. Oh, yeah. And everything, everything, (laughs) everything, everything, everything revolves around you, Jesus, you, you're at the center of it all. The moment that we take Jesus out of the center, everything's going to crumble. Take him out of the center of your relationships, your marriage, your children. It's not going to work. Take him out of your finances. It's not going to work. Take him out of your gifts to do marketplace business. It's not going to work. But if you'll put him in the center, everything comes together. Help. I can't do this on my own. Peter had to have learned that what he was missing on his own, he could catch more with others. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19 says, Again I say unto you that if 
two, everybody say two, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. Watch this. My Father, which is in heaven. Who's going to do it? The Father's going to do it. But he looks for unity to activate the blessing. And when we come together, I don't care if it's just two of us. If any two of you can agree in anything, whatever you ask, it will be done. That's the word of God. That's not my opinion. We can do more together than by ourselves. Stay open to expanding your influence and your territory. Peter learned, blessing is never for you. It's about, it's, it's about other people. If you're blessed, it's so you can be a blessing. When you learn that principle, suddenly God begins to trust you with more. Now, you and I get to walk in abundance of overflow, not because of what we hold onto, but because of what we have given away. There, was, there is power in our giving, giving of our finances, but giving of our time, giving of, like Mango talked about, giving of our abilities and our talents and our gifts. It is, the Bible says it is the gift that makes room for a man. It's not your talent. It's the gift of the result of that talent that God can say, okay, I trust you. Now promotion comes from the Lord. Never get it, don't get it mixed up. Your elevation, your promotion, your promotion, it's not going to come from how, how much hair you got, how, how, how good you look, how much makeup you put on, how many photos you take or videos you do. No, 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 no. Promotion comes from the Lord. The best leaders are ones who equip others so well that they run themselves out of a job. I'm going to say it again. The best leaders are ones who equip others so well that they run themselves out of a job. What that means is they don't have the, the territorial attitude to say, oh, that's mine. I'm going to hold on to that. What if Peter would have had that mentality with all these fish coming in? What if Peter would have kept his mouth shut and just, you know what would have happened? He would have sunk. And all those fish that were meant for him and the other people that would benefit from the blessing, everyone would have missed out. Here's my mentality. If it builds the kingdom, I'm for it. I don't care if it's black, white, brown. See, we've gotten so used to fishing with fishing poles that we've forgotten that God can use a net. Fishing poles represent control because I can put on, on the end of that hook the kind of fish I want to catch. I can catch crappie. I can catch catfish. If I use this kind of bait, I can catch some big mouth bass. And in the church house, we've almost gotten to the place where we put on a certain type of bait. We can catch rich folk. We can catch good looking fish. Come on, somebody. We, we can catch good attitude fish. <laughs> we can catch fish that smell good and look good and sound good. But I got news for you. When they throw the net... The net just brings in, in whosoever will. You got black fish, you got brown fish, you got purple fish, you got blue fish. You got good looking people, you got some ugly people. You got some fat people and some skinny people. Come on somebody. It's whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. They shall be saved. Who are you and who am I to try to put limits on what the kingdom wants to do? He can take a homosexual just like he can take a, a 
Pentecostal preacher. He can take a lesbian. He can take a drug addict. He can clean them up, wash them, cleanse them, purify them, forgive them, and put them on the road that's straight and narrow and use them for his kingdom. Just like he can take one of us old stubborn religious church folk. He's been doing it our whole life. Holding on and saying, hey, I'm not getting help. I'm not asking for no partners. This is my position. Wrong. It's his kingdom. He has control. And I lay it all down if it means his kingdom comes and his will's done on earth as it is in heaven. We're kingdom people. Everybody say kingdom. Okay. All right, I'm, I'm about done. We're going to beat the Baptist Alubis. You ready? Number three, if God's in it, you can sink the boats, you can break the nets, but the kingdom will advance. If God's in it, sink the boat. Sink, break the net. But God's kingdom will advance. What I mean by that is the boats and the nets, watch, they were tools, but it was never about the boat and it was never about the nets. The Bible says when he called for partners, he, they brought the second boat and both boats were filled and both boats began to sink. Why? Because there was such an overflow. The nets that they threw in, they all began to break. But Jesus was not trying to teach Peter how to protect his boat or protect his net. He was trying to teach Peter that everything that he had need of was found in him. And if he would surrender the tools and the gifts and the abilities that he had to just serve his kingdom, he would not keep him catching fish, but he would teach him how to catch men. And what Peter was learning was that if God got in what he was doing, if the boat sank and the nets broke, God's kingdom would still advance, be effective, change lives forever and ever. What God is, has in store for his kingdom can't be contained in a building. It can't be manipulated by a denomination. He is bigger than all of that. I'm not surprised that the changes in, this, in the church protocol as normal, what we call normal, is happening, actually. Could it be that God is allowing our boats to sink and our nets to break, our doors, the churches to be emptier than they've ever been before because of fear? And what this world has tried to, and social media and everything else in the news has tried to paint a picture of fear of this, this disease called COVID. Could it be that God is allowed the traditions of man to be shut and closed up, to sink and to be broken because he has, he's preparing kingdom people for an overflow like never before to prepare themselves. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I hear their cry and heal their land. Could it be that God's preparing a remnant of people to say, not my will, but your will be done. Not my way, but your way, God. And if it means I decrease and you increase, then nothing else matters. Break our nets. Change us. 
shift us, Lord. God's kingdom, now more than ever before, must pull together. We must be partners, not in crime, in kingdom. Let's be partners together. Let's see each other. Let's help each other do better, be better, become better. That's the cool part. It's actually a scripture in the New Testament, I believe. I can't remember where it's at off the top of my head, but it actually says that it is our job to pray for one another and to bear one another's burdens, Tiffany. It's my job to bear your burden, if I can. Pray for you. Encourage you. Because sometimes you can't pray as effectively because of the burden that you're carrying. That's why the Bible says, if two of you, because sometimes how many knows you, you need somebody else to encourage you in that season of testing and trial and tribulation? So when you can't pray, you need someone, you need a friend, you need a loved one, you need a cousin, you need a, you need a pastor, you need somebody that you can connect to to say, I need you to pray with me. That's why you should never be a place afraid of this altar. You should never be afraid of, the, of this, this, this restoration place. When these altars are open, this is a place for you to cast your cares. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a, a, sim, a symbol. It's the altar. Okay? We don't have your traditional altars like many of us were raised in. But by coming forth, you're, you're saying, Lord, I, I cast myself on the altar. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's all of our jobs. We've got to present ourselves. Never be afraid to put it on the altar. Never be afraid to cry out for help and say, God, I can't do this on my own. Every, listen, what would have happened if Peter would have had a third boat and more partners than just James and John? It doesn't, doesn't say they had any other partners. It says they had, they had, there was two boats and it was James and John that were his partners. So, I'm just going to, let's act like he didn't have anybody else. What would, have had, what would have happened if he had had three or four others? Jack, can you stand? Ethan, can you stand? Now stretch your hands out like this. All right. It's going to be real hard for y'all to touch each other, make impact to each other, because of the distance between you two. Caitlin, stand up. Just grab their hands like that. When we have another partner, we can reach a lot further. When you show up, we can touch a lot more people. When you give, we can impact the kingdom in a greater way. When you use your gifts and your abilities and your talents, help! I can't do this on my own! See, it's not about a preacher. It's not about an evangelist. It's not about a building. It's about the kingdom. And I'm just telling you, we've been teaching this for almost 12 months. And I know we ain't been in the building all 12 months. But the one message that Satan does not want people to get and grab hold of is he does not want people to catch the message of the kingdom. He hates it. Because it's a kingdom he'll never have control of. He can control your flesh. He can put you, tempt and, and, and put, put you in positions. He knows how to test you. He knows what gets you. He knows what throws you off. But God's kingdom, he has no reign. He has no rule. God gave him authority to rule and reign as the prince and the power of the air when he was kicked out of heaven. 
You need to know that. Satan's got some power. It's limited, but he does have some power. And online this morning, you need to understand, if you'll connect yourself to something greater, partner up with the kingdom, and there are no limits when you are connected to the king's way. So here's my question. Has Peter surrendered? His tools were broken. His nets were broken. His boats were emptied. But he saw something in a great way. He saw that his having partners, nothing was impossible. And I want you to know, as we connect and walk in unity together, this next season of our life, as a family, as the children of God, God's positioning us. He's pushing us. And He's taking us further than we've ever gone before. And if you'll go on this journey, if you'll prepare yourself to be expanded and to be stretched, pray like you've never prayed before. I'm calling the church to a fast for the next seven days. Seven days. Are you willing to fast? Give up a burger? Give up a, a macaroni and cheese? I'm making you hungry. Give up a mashed potato, french fries, green beans, collard Come on, somebody. Might be one meal. Might be just fluids. What can you sacrifice to say, Lord, for the next seven days I want to sacrifice so that I can hear and learn and prepare myself for where you're about to take me in your kingdom. Peter did that, and I'm done. Here's what happened. The Bible says when he got back to the bank, he fell on his face. And conviction. Notice, not condemnation. See, the kingdom doesn't condemn. It convicts. And because of his conviction, he began to repent. And the scripture says that he forsook all. And he followed Christ. And I'm just here to tell you, there's nothing else worth living for if Jesus isn't what we're connected to. And if we'll build with him... Partners in the kingdom, we're going to do greater things than we ever thought possible. And we're going to see fish or people come to the kingdom that would have never known the truth had we not surrendered our will to his will. I'll leave you with this verse as you're standing all across this building. Psalms chapter 37 verse 5 says this. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him Watch, and he will help you. Commit, trust. Commit everything you do. Trust him, and he will help you. If you're online this morning, or if you're in this sanctuary, maybe you've had a hard time committing. Maybe you've had a hard time trusting. Can I ask you a question? If you knew he was going to help you, do you think it's worth committing and trusting? I didn't say if you knew all the answers or if you had the full plan laid out for you. I'm saying if you commit and you trust, if you knew help would come, would you say, Father, change me, touch me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're watching online. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't committed, or maybe you lost commitment, if you haven't trusted, or maybe you've failed in trusting him recently and you just want to make things right in this season of your life. I'm, in, I'm encouraging you. Would, you. would you commit to him so he can help you? 
If you're under the sound of my voice and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you're not for sure where you would go if you died today, sir, don't leave here. Ma'am, young man, young lady, don't leave here without saying yes to Jesus. If you don't know Christ, the count of three, lift your hands up and just say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to commit and I want to trust. If that's you in this building or watching online right now, one, two, three. Just lift your hand, put it right back down. Hallelujah. God sees that. God sees that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you right now for those that are in this room watching online. They're wondering. They're seeking. They're longing. They're ready to make a commitment. They're ready to trust you in a new and a fresh way. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. From this day forward, I live for you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me today. I trust and believe that God's word has strengthened your faith. Why don't you visit me at darrenfarmer.com and let's do life together on all social media platforms. And as always, your prayers and your financial giving is always welcome. God bless you.